2: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Everyone is Hot, the podcast that talks about your favorite stealth sex symbols and the film that turned you on to them. I'm Michael Stevens.
3: And I'm Shelley Brooks.
2: And holy shit! (laughs) Oh, yeah. We are so excited today.
3: We are, we are. Michael, who are we going to talk to?
2: Oh, my God. Today's guest is host of the weekly stand-up show, Fun house comedy and the podcast Halal Cartel's Brooklyn based stand up comedian Gabe Pacheco.
3: Clap, kids. Yay, yay, ah. Put your hands together, children. Yay, <laughs> Come on
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
3: They are so excited and so are we. Gabe, thank you for being here.
1: Uh, this, this is an honor and a treat <laughs> and a privilege. Uh.
3: <laughs> We're glad that you recognize it. Uh, the <laughs> honor, is, honor is all ours. <laughs> yeah. um, uh,
1: Shoutouts to modern technology, the ability for all three of us to be in totally different spaces, yeah. and yet still able to connect. Yes. Laptops. Uh, it's a
3: beautiful thing. Uh, uh, I love sitting on my aunt and uncle's floor talking to you guys. It's great. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: Charlie well, Chaplin's dream from the great dictator.
1: For sure, sure. Well, this is, this is that is also what the great dictator the... is about?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't fucking know. I just know that one speech. It's nice.
1: Yeah. No, this is the Jetsons' future. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I remember watching in reruns in my grandma's uh, living room. Oh, hell Um, yeah. We would watch the Jetsons. Ooh.
2: This is the first time the Jetsons has been mentioned on the show. So I have a very quick question and then we can uh, sort of pivot. Um, But do you remember the Jetsons movie?
1: I do not remember. (sighs) I only ever watched it in syndication. Mm. Oh, yeah. At like 2 p.m. (laughs) <laughs> okay uh, you know yeah it was very little on like the dusty station that played reruns oh yes but not cable this was like basic 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 TV, TV. oh yeah. yeah oh yeah be, like Jetsons and the Munsters and Gilligan's Island oh guys. hell yeah and these were all like <laughs> relics and artifacts from a time before me.
2: I used to love that generation of TV uh friggin uh the monkeys, the partridge family like. Yeah. Me and my sister, we were homeschooled, uh, which is why we were like <laughs> obsessed with that shit. Um, but man, oh man, uh, good generation of TV. The mm-hmm. Jetsons is great. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, do yourself a favor and see it. It was made in the 80s. And uh
3: interesting. Uh,
2: yeah, I will share my favorite song from the soundtrack because it's good. It's a Debbie Gibson, lesser known hit. But nice. uh, yeah, we're not here to talk about any of that shit.
3: No. Oh, but we've got someone really special to talk about. I'm so excited for this one, Gabe. Who is your stealth sex symbol, and what movie are we going to be talking about?
1: Okay. Well, when you first asked me this question, you sent me you sent me down a a journey, a journaling journey, where I really had to do some <laughs> deep, dark excavating to uh, find find the the er uh, sneaky sex symbol, <laughs> right? The primary imprint, the first one. And I, re- yes. I, I did some digging. I did some excavating, <laughs> some some psychosexual excavating. I felt like the protagonist from Jurassic Park. You know, when he's like, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, just dusting off the bones of Archaeopteryx or whatever in the,
3: uh-huh. in
1: the wilderness. And uh, I, I discovered the one, the the fo- the fossil for, for my, for me. I was gonna say for my boner, but that's the. I mean, listen. Let's, not be <laughs> let's
3: get into it.
1: Let's, uh, it has to be the one and only, the the unique and singular, Rosie Perez.
3: Mm.
1: And uh, and the film that we're going to be talking about today, uh, where I was first introduced to her, was White
3: Men Can't Jump. Oh, we are so excited for this one. So we did actually, you know, a, something that we've run into a couple of times, especially when it comes to actresses that people choose as their crushes. I think because the bar is just so high to be like a woman in film. Uh, is that we're like, is Rosie too obviously hot and like too classically beautiful? Um, so I do think that in this episode, we're going to be leaning into the aspect of this premise for the show that they're just simply underrated and that they are they haven't gotten their due, even if you're someone as like objectionably beautiful as Rosie Perez.
1: Yeah, Rosie Perez is undeniably a smoke show. But what, <laughs> what we need to uh, realize though is that she... Uh, is underrepresented personally mm-hmm. and also as a demographic. And mm-hmm. and she is, uh, yes, she is undeniably hot, but uh, <laughs> she is also undeniably unique as a voice and mm-hmm. as a type. And yeah. I don't see uh, other versions of her or analogs anywhere else on the cinema landscape or really in pop culture. I mean, yeah. I guess they're, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say that, especially at the time. So she was breaking ground at, at the time, at a pioneer, mm. um, in terms of aesthetics and in terms yeah. of representing a certain type of person on screen.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was a great choice of movie to uh discuss her in. She is so adorable in this movie. Um, Michael, for anyone who hasn't seen Whiteman Can't Jump, would you like to tell the listeners what the movie is about? Oh,
2: absolutely. Very, very straightforward premise. Black and white basketball hustlers join forces to double their chances of winning money on the street courts and in a basketball tournament. Very
3: simple. Very <laughs> Straight to the point. There we go. <laughs> there are some twists and turns along the way, yeah. but yeah.
1: <laughs> so, Michael, uh, can I just say that I was with um, a Gen Z coworker, and I uh, brought up the title uh, White Men Can't Jump as yeah. one of my favorite movies. And she laughed because she thought I was just joking and saying something off color. Oh my god, <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's so good! <laughs> oh, that's amazing! Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Z, we no. love Gen Z. <laughs> oh my god, they don't
2: know about this movie, do they?
3: No, this
1: movie's been memory hold for an entire generation, and it's up to people like us uh, to carry the torch and to like tr- and to trickle that culture down. Oh my you know, god, you know.
3: Yeah, because it is so funny to think about. I mean, this movie's from 92. I guess to qualify as Gen Z, because my sister and I always fight about this. She's a few years younger than me. She was born in 96. And so she always argues that she is Gen Z, that she's not a millennial, because she would be horrified to be thought of as a millennial. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, for so many of these kids, like they, they weren't alive when this movie came out. So, like it seems like such a distant memory to them. I
2: hate to butt in with uh, bad news. But there is going to be a remake of White Men Can't Jump. It is coming out this year, uh, May 19th, starring uh, Jack Harlow as huh? Woody Allen. Woody, uh, not Allen. Oh,
3: oh. Woody <laughs> Allen. I, I, wanna I would love to see this movie with Woody <laughs> Allen. No, imagine Woody Allen. are
1: <laughs> like, he's a basketball player <laughs> and, a, and a sex pest oh,
3: slash God. criminal oh
1: my god it's perfect
3: (laughs) Uh, i
2: wonder if there is like a nightmare universe uh version of this movie with like i don't know woody allen and young morgan freeman and like the the 70s
3: could be an interesting
2: (laughs) film anyway um could be that's not happening uh jack harlow and sinkhole walls um are going to be the leads in this uh kenya barris written remake Um, okay
1: Michael, I still want the Morgan Friedman narration, though. Uh, <laughs> this is yeah, a tale I'm of men, men. <laughs> a tale of prejudice, a tale of <laughs> gambling and excellence on the basketball court. It
3: certainly <laughs> it's is. Very nice.
1: A making a man look so bad. <laughs>
3: good very good michael i, I had You'll to write uh,
2: some some quotes from, from this movie because the dialogue is like oh uh, well, i mean we're gonna get into it later but we we gotta well. make some space to talk about the dialogue because it...
3: oh we definitely will but now that we've gotten this uh bit of trivia you've actually led us very nicely into uh our little warm-up that we like to do oh nice it's job michael
1: it's that, <laughs> it's that time again
3: it's that time again you know we get, as you said, you dug really deep getting ready for this. You know, we don't want to just come in raw. We like to get a little hot, a little slick.
2: Hey there, listener. You're probably on your way to work or some shit like that. That's nice. Uh, it's time to get slick for some movie chatting with a little bit of movie trivia. I'll kick us on. Writer and director Ron Shelton wrote the first 37 pages in one night until things came to a complete halt. It was written very fast, he explains. I was trying to figure out what glorious thing was. It had to be so unconnected from the guys, because that's big for me, to make sure that the women aren't defined in terms of the guy business. After he heard someone discussing a friend's aspiration to get on Jeopardy, the final piece was in place. There's no logic to it. It's sort of the Hollywood dream.
3: Mmm. Thank you for that guy business. Oh,
2: of course.
3: Ooh, now, Gabe, would you like to read us number B?
1: (laughs) Number B coming right up, my Mm. friend. Uh... While playing Double Jeopardy, Gloria interrupts Alex to answer a question about popes. Ooh, Pope. The rules of the game do not permit a contestant to respond until the answer is read aloud in its entirety.
3: Mm-hmm. Ooh, breaking the rules. She's a bad girl. Yeah, really, I just
2: yeah. my disbelief for that moment specifically.
3: <laughs> She's a rebel. We're gonna finish out with number C. When Woody Harrelson was making this movie, the producers hired Bob Lanier, the retired Detroit Pistons Center, as a basketball coach. Harrelson, who had played some basketball in college, was bragging to Lanier about what a great player he was. <laughs> Lanier invited Harrelson to play a little one-on-one. Harrelson later described it as, quote, the most embarrassing 15 minutes of my life. End quote. <laughs> hmm. And that's the Sexy Trivia Game.
2: pretty good trivia and amazing work, everybody.
3: (laughs) Really going with the flow. We really appreciate that. Well, now that we are nice and slick and warmed up, (laughs) let's get into our main conversation. Now, you said that this was the first movie that you saw Rosie Perez in. Do you remember when you first saw it?
1: Yeah, I think I saw it in the movie theater when it came out. Nice. So I'm an I'm an old head, uh, but I was very young in yeah. the theater when I saw it. Uh Also, the '80s were a time where uh, children were just allowed to watch whatever they wanted. Yeah. So I I was watching rated R movies. Like I remember the first movie my father took me to was The Last Emperor, oh. and I may have oh. about uh, five years old. Something I was pretty young, and that movie opens with like the former emperor of China trying to kill himself, like attempt yeah. suicide, and then we just had to like. Uh, decompress and unpack that at uh, the Chinese food restaurant we went to after the film because, you know, it was a, a multi-sensory cross-cultural e- immersion experience for me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Five years old of The Last Emperor. That is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping you weren't going through like the entire filmography of uh, Bernardo Bertolucci as a (laughs) five-year-old not watching like last tango (laughs) you're in kindergarten
1: all the movies that started with last
3: (laughs) yeah
1: the last starfighter last dragon is a good one (laughs) yeah
3: oh my gosh so so you were a little kid seeing this movie so i mean did you recognize like having a crush already at that age I think
1: uh, I think the first time I, I saw this film, what struck me about it was it's a uh, hyper bright color palette. Yeah. Um, mm. Fashion was one of the first things I thought about. And then when it came to Rosie Perez specifically as like a leading woman uh, in the film, she is she's like a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, in her <laughs> delivery and the musicality of her voice. Uh, also, yeah. in the her, the unapologetic use of her accent, which as mm-hmm. a Latina was not like this. Um, it's not like she had the English as a second language accent that you would find mm-hmm. in a lot of like uh, sort of like Latina characters, Right. or uh, like a Selma Hayek even later on when she's playing mm-hmm. uh, like in a rom com. Yeah, uh, She had like a very East Coast um, New oh. York accent you know she's from fucking bushwick baby ah exactly dude so she is like a new yorker and i'm like a latino dude a chicano boy uh but raised on the east coast so Mm. you know being an east coaster uh who grew up in washington dc like in a city and then moving to new york for my entire adult life uh that i identified with that so much more right her her uh east coast urban Yes. Um, delivery, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah. "Oh, cool. I've never seen that before on the screen." It, but it's in California, so we're watching an LA movie. She's a cartoon. She's hot. Like you see a little. There's some nip slip. Yeah, you know. Um. Uh, He's very sensual, like on the bed. The way her and Woody play, um, mm. in that hotel uh, room in the when we first meet her. Yeah. Uh, so all of that, it's like this weird mix of cartoon, New York, mm-hmm. Latina uh abrasive and loud but still sensual all yeah above. you know and yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry and this is the era that you have like what are the white women who are not to like you know compare exactly but you know have like meg ryan's at the same time and it's like mm. you know i'm not those aren't going to be my first imprint right like a quiet right. mirror like yeah. uh whatever that is to, whatever, mm. to what rosie is bringing yeah you know. Yeah, I gotta,
2: uh, I gotta say, like, this is my first time watching this movie. Um, but I'm like, I'm from Bushwick, and yes. uh, watching this movie, she reminds me so much of like the women that I grew up with, like in my neighborhood that I'd see all the time, like walking down fucking Myrtle Avenue, and like, that's like literally where I was like, oh god, like this is the beauty standard this is you know Mm. like these are beautiful beautiful people oh my god but i'm only like eight years old so you know um but uh watching this movie for the first time as an adult was like time traveling um and Mm. it's interesting that you that you kind of underline that she is a new yorker who is placed in this uh west very west coast it's the west coast um (laughs) i didn't even notice that uh um, while watching, but reading her Wikipedia, finding out she's from Bushwick, it's like, it's the nicest little contrast. Um, mm-hmm. ah.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, to, to that point of contrast, it's like when I even do a stand-up show, I like the lineup to be all different from me yeah. in terms mm-hmm. of uh, uh, look and style. And um, so that means like, you know, when I think of, the, we can put in quotes like diversity, It is more like a diversity of aesthetic because uh, in that, um, I will shine so much more. And so, like, Mm -hmm. the same thing with, like, Rosie is, like, you take her and she was such, uh, she had such an impact on me because she is so unique, both in the Mm -hmm. context of this movie, but in the context of, like, a cinema landscape. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting that this, this couple of her and Woody Harrelson, because they're both so, like, specific, yeah. like, regionally, like, I mean, she's such, like, a New Yorker, he's yeah. such a, like, Southern guy, and it's nice that, like, when you have actors like that, that aren't, you know, kind of polished down to be kind of, like, neutral or, you know, the most sort of, like, vanilla version, that instead they, like, really feel like they're from a place, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, and this, uh, and like, also, I think about representation uh, when it comes to like Latinidad on screen, mm. and often it uh, to me feels like mall Latinidad, like mm. this idea of like being polished down to be the most homogenous it can be yeah. to reach the most yeah. demographic. So it's like where are our big markets, like uh, Miami and LA and Texas? So can we mm. get an actor or actress who kind of fits into that sort of? without offending any one group or without being too hyper specific yeah. in their um regionality and yeah. rosie singularly is like and to contrast with someone like j-lo
3: yeah who,
1: and it's not to say that like because uh, i like i admire both of their careers right. but when you listen to rosie you're like this is bushwick
2: yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> right. you
1: know what i mean and mm-hmm. uh, j-lo's from the bronx but you know uh it, I don't always believe that Jenny is Jenny from the Bronx. No, just, or from the not party, at all. You no, know?
2: not at all. I think when the <laughs> yeah. song came out, that it was a little bullshit. But um, <laughs> yeah,
1: you know.
3: And I do. Yeah, it is interesting seeing the difference in their careers because of that, and the way that, like, you know, J Lo became like one of the biggest stars in the world in part because, yeah, like you said, she was easily marketable, easily palatable. Um, yeah, and that, like, I think it makes her less of an interesting actor than Rosie. But it also is probably. Part of what made her so incredibly famous,
1: yeah, and and that has a lot to do with uh, because I love JLo in Out of Sight, for example. I, 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 love, I, I, I love her too, you know, mm-hmm. but I would say that it reflects more on uh, marketing yeah. and yeah. and the industry that one of them is going to be elevated and the other isn't. And I remember mm-hmm. trivia on even uh, this movie, White Men Can't Jump, and they uh were. You know the u.s is it's got this black white dichotomy that it loves to market and pit black against white and yeah. so mm-hmm. the film uh of course they had no problem with wesley snipes and woody and woody harrelson's i was gonna say yeah. woody allen woody Harrelson <laughs> yeah. and, and that storyline but um they didn't know if they wanted to cast uh latina to be in the role of uh, the girlfriend and yeah. um they they uh woody harrelson actually had to um advocate to oh, keep sure. rosie uh on as his girlfriend because they had some mm. great chemistry in their uh, screen tests
2: wow Holy
3: that's heck. so cool i did not know so that. we
1: could have easily had like a meg ryan character in right. as i imagine oh my god <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think also part of like her appeal and what makes her so powerful in this role is also, I mean, you know, there's been this big discussion around like Nepo babies recently and like the way that, you know, so many people are kind of shut out of the industry unless they come from money. And like, I mean, she's like a true, like working class actor. Like, you know, she got her start on soul train. And it's like, so, I mean, she actually feels like you, c- you can see her being in this scenario in the movie. Like it doesn't feel like, you know, so many times you'll get an actor that feels like they're just like, cosplaying at uh you know being working class yeah um
1: (laughs) yeah there's a darkness shelly to like the role as well um Mm. for one i i think she's always uh comedic and energetic but uh Mm. i watching it again for this i i remembered and realized that she's like drunk the entire time
2: yeah
1: yeah Yeah. and they play it for laughs but that is like Mm. somebody is in their hotel room Uh, motel room, uh, day drinking, waiting for their uh, compulsive gambler, scammer husband to come home. Uh, That is, uh, there's a lot of darkness there. And when you Mm -hmm. uh, read about um, Rosie's uh, history with her own mom and, and you know, this is all things that she talks about, but her mom being, you know, an alcoholic schizophrenic, Mm -hmm. uh, she's drawing it feels like, oh, she's able to present a lot of that trauma from her own life into her roles on the screen.
3: Yeah. Yeah, oh, totally. It gives, like, a real, like, texture to her performances in a way that, like, you know, I I often, like, joke about that show, Made, which I I didn't end up watching, so I shouldn't judge it. But, like, just the idea of, like, a Margaret Qualley you know, being in that, it's like, Okay, I mean, I'm sure she's great in it, but <laughs> oh,
2: what is what is made? Can you tell me? What...
3: It was a, a Netflix show, um, oh, but yeah, it, I don't know. It just like it was around the time that like this whole sort of like nepo baby conversation started being more part of like the discourse online and stuff. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. Seeing uh, you know these actors that you you know very well are from these like Hollywood yeah. you know royalty families,
1: yeah. You know, yeah,
3: playing these working class roles that in like the '60s would have been played by you know an actual working-class actor.
1: Yeah. yeah, man. I mean, her everything that she had to go through, um, being abandoned by her uh, mother at a young age and, uh, mm-hmm. and living, I think, for the first couple years with her aunt and then her mother re-showing up in her life and mm-hmm. uh, kind of disrupting that, right, shattering her. That is like a primary trust thing right there where mm-hmm. you think that your aunt is your mom and then the mom comes yeah. back takes her away and then uh, within a very short period of time, after taking custody back, abandons her and leaves her in a group home <sighs> and uh, where yeah. she's like um, raised by nuns who are, and nuns are not good people. They're yeah. like- handmaid- I was gonna
3: say famously lovely people,
1: <laughs> great <laughs> <They're>, with kids. <laughs> they're often handmaidens of patriarchy. Like you, what, what are you doing? And so, and abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're also like, I was taught by nuns for a while and I thought this is so absurd because these are all uh, people these are all women specifically that have said, I don't want children. I don't want a family. Right. And then they run and hide in the church. Yeah. And then some man yeah. in a robe is like, I got the perfect job for you. Yeah. <laughs> have I, you serve, uh, 30 kids that are not your blood. Let's yeah. see how well. Oh, that goes. Yeah. Make sure they don't write
2: with their left hand. Uh... Oh,
1: God. Right. And I'm a left-handed man. So oh, you know. Oh. I'm so sorry. Uh,
3: uh, really bringing up the the repressed memories jeez.
2: Yeah. as a catholic i i've dealt with the shit so it's uh it's good to dunk on nuns um
3: mm-hmm. finally
2: get get their comeuppance
1: yeah yeah that's right uh what if i picked uh nuns on the run as my as my
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I'm sure at some point we're going to be doing Sister Act because, I mean, we have talked about Whoopi so much on this podcast, yeah. which that actually is something that I had thought about earlier, like thinking about these underrated hotties, the people that yeah, um, are marginalized in the industry, Very like so many of them, I realized, end up on The View, <laughs> which is so kind of depressing to me because it's like there are so few avenues for a lot of performers in the industry that like You get these, like, insanely talented people like a Rosie Perez, like a Whoopi Goldberg, like a Rosie O'Donnell, who end up, you know, being stuck on, like, a chat show so they can, you know, I'm sure it pays well, and they're not getting the roles that they would want as, like, a middle-aged, you know, woman of color in the industry or a gay woman in the industry.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're really defanged or uh, neutered or, or like, uh, blunted by just having Mm -hmm. on daytime TV, which is, like you know your brain drips out of your ears yeah. uh <laughs> watching it so i'm sure performing it must be equally tedious
3: yeah oh you can tell that whoopi goldberg hates every second just that just, she's there <laughs> fucking check
1: um exactly uh, i
2: i i hate it for her but i also respect it so much because i feel like that's what a lot of motherfuckers are doing
3: um oh yeah you gotta work uh, it's just
2: i i do feel deeply comforted by that uh just Whoopi, just staring into a camera and being like, oh God. All right, well, let me talk about <laughs> this bullshit. Um, uh.
3: Well, so in terms of your your Rosie Perez crush, uh, you know, you mentioned that you uh, excavated this as the sort of like or crush. Uh, so who are some other actors that you find yourself drawn to like this?
1: Uh, well, I went down a list and um, let's see if we can find some some commonalities or patterns. Yeah. Here. And uh, uh, f- f- Firuza Balk? Oh,
3: yeah. I like that one. <laughs> That's good.
1: Okay. Uh, specifically in, uh, obviously, the craft where she should have won at the end. Oh, yeah. You know, I always root for the Magneto character mm-hmm. and uh, she was so sympathetic to me as a working class hero and mm. as uh, someone who you know, undeservedly was uh extinguished at the end of the film right I, yeah it's a very like killmonger was right, yeah it was like uh, Bruce's character <laughs> in the craft was right okay and um i'm so also, I haven't seen the craft oh get, mm. popped. and the remake <laughs> is good as well, the remake is good, they really um deal a lot more with gender fluidity in okay. the second one mm-hmm. in the remake oh it's, interesting it's a great update it's not just a remake
2: you you had no, me at, that
1: at magneto character i was like i, I need to see more
2: <laughs> righteous motherfuckers um so i'm i'm adding this to my immediate next steps uh today
1: and uh i love her also in uh, things to do in denver when you're dead which was at which was unfortunate oh, yeah. uh i mean, It Tried. That movie swung for the fences yeah. and tried in the wake of yeah. Tarantino's success. Uh that that it's a gangster movie that tried to create its own like slang and you know <laughs> like abrasive and uh politically incorrect in ways that missed unfortunately. But she's in it and she is just um a wonderful uh uh young uh, sex worker, troubled sex mm-hmm. worker. Um but it's not played for whatever it's it's good. She's great in it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so she's one. Uh, Juliet Lewis. Yes. I'm a child of the 90s. I can't help it.
3: I was going to say, we're really at a 90s streak here.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, natural born killers and strange days are the ones that I That's think about. Good. And even today, she still um, pulls on my heartstrings in uh, yellow jackets.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like this. There's definitely overlap and continuity between these people. Lori Petty. <laughs> Point break. <gasps> yes. All right. Oh, that's such a good one. <laughs> Put your little jean
1: shorts on, uh, over with no underwear oh after God. you go surfing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, oh, uh, oh little short-haired, God. androgynous, tough girls. Uh, yes. Oh my. With a tr- with a little bit of a troubled past, you can mm-hmm. maybe you can see that I, I'm a, a moth attracted to a specific type of flame. Yeah. <laughs>
3: That seems to be the case. It's also interesting that all of these women have really aged into, like, such fascinating middle-aged character actresses. Like, Mm -hmm. I loved Lori Petty recently on Station Eleven. I thought she was incredible in that.
1: Yes. They all have, like, uh, uh, personalities that transcend Mm -hmm. um, maybe being just, uh, like, like the the romantic interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In their roles, they all take agency. Mm, and they all, uh, for their actions, and they all kind of mm. have like uh, a dark side or like a, a personality that passes like a Bechtel test. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like interests of their own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even in roles where they are like the romantic interest. Right. You know, Lori Petty's out there surfing on her own. She doesn't really, she has a life outside of uh, chasing Keanu or Patrick Sway right. or being pursued.
3: Yeah, and, uh, and they all came of like they all came into their own as actors in the like '90s independent scene in a way that was, yeah, a time that was really good for actresses because there were so many you know well fleshed out characters in these indies.
1: Now, do I have mom crushes too? Of course, Annette Benning <laughs> in The Siege.
3: Uh, <laughs> oh my god! All right, do not get me started on Annette Benning? <laughs> I need to know
2: who was your very first. Very, very first intense movie crush as a youth.
1: I mean, well, I was gonna say TV. It was gonna be Betty Rubble, but uh... <laughs> I
2: agree. I agree, hundred percent agree, hundred percent hardcore agree. Love Betty Rubble. Love Rosie O'Donnell as as Betty Rubble. Uh,
1: oh yeah! My God! Yeah. <laughs> I was getting into animation though. I'm a I'm an animated boy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Same. Same. <laughs>
1: I I I, ooh. I, love, I love that you were like, let's go live action, Limstones. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well again, we always love to bring up Rosie. We like to bring up Whoopi. Bring- yeah. uh, going back to the Jetsons, yeah. did you have anything for uh Rosie the Robot? <laughs> uh
1: you know what? I did I I'm I'm anti robot, pro replicant. Oh. Blade Runner's my favorite movie. Nice. So I'm pro replicant. And I think with that, uh of course Pris I think would be a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you know, Daryl oh. Hannah, it's under she's again undeniable and uh underutilized as an actress. I also yeah. think that Pris as a character has some of this darkness or this uh danger that the other mm. um women uh or like actors actors I brought up have in them too. Mm. Uh, sorry, most of my crushes are like very. Uh, it's a, this is all like a very heteronormative. Um, uh, no, you this is not uh, the podcast
2: to be ashamed like, of any of your desires.
3: No, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. I like. Uh, I'm going to use like a, a triggering word. Crazy. I like. I like yeah, yeah. actors <laughs> who are able to really um, bring some like emotional, a uh, mental illness to the screen in a good way. Mm.
3: Yeah. No, it's so real. Cause I mean, I think that, you know, so often male actors, I mean, that's something that's really, you know, prized and celebrated when they can play these dark, complex, crazy characters. And there's just not as much of it out there for, for actresses. So, I mean, it's so exciting when you see someone doing it.
1: Yeah. Can you act ugly? And I think that's important <laughs> yeah. um, because yes. ugly is what we really want to see, right? Yeah. Intimacy uh, or true acting is being intimate in public in what mm. is the most vulnerable or intimate you can be is to kind of be a, like a little, ah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just bugged down my eyes for anyone <laughs> listening. And he, uh, so Rosie recently, so another movie that grew on me was The Counselor, which Ridley Scott directed. Uh, and it was, mm. a, I think it was a big flop, but uh, it was on the on the tail of um, No Country for Old Men, which really solidified oh. McCarthy as a great script writer. He wrote... Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote the counselor, and Ridley Scott directed it, and it had a superstar cast. Uh, and Rosie Perez is in it in a in a cameo. She plays, um, so she plays mm-hmm. a cartel boss, a cartel leader who's a mother mm-hmm. who is incarcerated. So oh. we see, um, uh, we see Michael Fassbender. I think no, that's not. Yeah, I think that's him. I think he plays the counselor, and he goes to visit her in in prison. Uh, mm-hmm. for, and it's just her with like her hair is not done and there's yeah because she's in prison and it's right and it's like daylight and you see her smile lines and she's like smoking cigarettes Uh,
2: i just added a picture picture of her to this to the chat so i could see what you're talking about and i i'm 100 (laughs) percent with you um
1: yeah oh my god and still like 25 years later uh yeah. her playing this role is like um i was like damn she's a great actress and yeah. still uh pulling on my heartstrings and all my other yeah. chakras are lighting up as well yeah.
3: <laughs> and still so, so beautiful i mean she's almost 60 years old and like i i remember reading a review for um the kiarostami movie certified copy years ago where the reviewer was like, I don't mean this to be condescending. I mean this genuinely like Juliette Binoche is the most beautiful she's ever been like now that she's older. And I feel the same way about Rosie Perez. When I see her now, I like, she just is so magnificently beautiful.
1: Yeah. And it's a part of her, her journey too. like talking about the things in her life. Uh, I haven't read her um, autobiography, but uh, just the fact that she's now going to therapy and she's continued to do all the work on herself and kind of um she has knowledge of self right yeah throughout which is mm, as an individual you can watch her grow and i think that's Mm -hmm. also keeps you seeming young yeah yeah right it's like youth is based on uh your the energy of youth or the perception Mm -hmm. is is like how much are you continuing to grow and learn and be different yeah and that doing that
3: Yeah. And I was reading like, you know, skimming her Wikipedia earlier and like reading about how, you know, she's like demonstrated against like, you know, U.S. naval bases and Puerto Rico and stuff. And it's like when you see so many people of her generation become movie stars and then they are like trying to sell us NFTs to see someone (laughs) like like that who's engaged in actual, you know, good things is really heartening.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in some ways she is becoming the mom, the mo- the mom era crush for me too. The Annette Benning, if you will, or, yes. uh, and uh, also uh, the uh, Catherine O'Hare is another one. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, doesn't fit into the darkness thing, but does uh, <laughs> fit into the such an expressive personality mm. all the time. Yeah. I loved her. I just feel like I've grown up with her and I can't even think about the specific movie she's in. You know, obviously, like Home Alone, Home Alone. but yeah. um, she always she plays the mom often now. But she also, mm-hmm. but she's been you know swinging for the fences since she was a, a cast member on SCTV, the sketch show. Oh yeah, and she's always funny and always and and uh, hot. See, yeah. low key, yeah. low key hot. It's never yes. like the it's never the first part of the package. Is that oh
3: yeah? It's
1: never the top of the bio hot, but it is right you know she leads
3: with the talent not with the hot But the hot's there (laughs) yeah but it is interesting i mean we've been talking about rosie perez's voice but all these other women that you've named as well have like very distinctive voices that are so so interesting and give them such like specific character
1: yeah and with rosie uh i think going back after i saw white men can't jump i saw do the right thing and, Mm. and then backtracked and Realized that she was the head choreographer for uh, the Fly Girls on In Living Color, and so she's really steeped in this. um, And when you watch her dance, it's not like it is sexy, but it's Mm -hmm. also like combative. Yeah, it's also aggressive. It is um, challenging, like I'm gonna say, like white femininity. Yeah, Mm -hmm. challenge to like what it, what the mainstream. Uh, sees as uh, aesthetically um, attractive. And, yeah. And uh, and I love I love that. Like her opening in Do the Right Thing, her opening dance is so great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean,
3: she's amazing in that movie. And like, it's, I mean, I love that film so much. It is kind of disturbing when she talks about, you know, apparently she didn't have a totally great experience on set, uh, especially with like some of the intimacy stuff. Um, but I mean, clearly... She, you know, doesn't hate Spike Lee. She was in uh, that, uh, oh my God, what what movie was it that he recently remade as a TV show for Netflix? Uh, she's Gotta Have It.
1: Oh,
2: there it is. So, I mean, she
3: was in that. So clearly they still, you know, are working together. Yeah. But but yeah, but she's talked about how just like, like brutally punishing filming the dance scene was like, you know, they, they did a million takes. She was dancing all day, like on concrete. Um, yeah. So
1: he's kind of like a, like a Kubrick Shelley Duvall.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so i mean she's she's a fucking tough tough woman
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean dance itself is so grueling uh mm. just the pra- the discipline of it the practice of it and um and all of the pressures that people put on dancers um two of my favorite i love horror movies as well yeah. i'm a huge fan and two of my favorite horror movies are dance horror uh <laughs> a very small genre yeah but uh or so, yeah. Uh, Climax and Sisypria, love them both. And, yeah, uh, oh, huh? I love them both. Uh, such a good one. Uh,
3: yeah. yeah, original Sisypria or remake
1: Sisypria? <laughs> uh, I, I have honestly, full disclosure, I haven't seen the original. Please don't don't hate me. Yeah, hate. I'm
3: just saying you're only hurting yourself.
1: Yeah, but the remake is tremendous. I watched that and Climax kind of within the same week period. Yeah, and uh, and just uh, body. Both of those films are body horror, and mm. uh, but you know when we think of body horror, we usually think of like Cronenberg, like looking at the guts. Yeah. But yeah. Dance is uh, this thing where you sculpt yourself, and it is, and you're there's constant tension between trying striving for excellence and the damage mm. that you do to your body, contorting it. Yeah. For the expectations of others. Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: <laughs> Real black swan it's, shit.
1: <laughs> oh, which again, I have to see to finish off this trilogy, I think, of yeah. horror films.
3: Yeah, no, and it's so interesting with Rosie, because I mean, like we've been saying, she's got this iconic voice, but I mean, to be also this very accomplished dancer and be so expressive with her body, I mean, it's pretty rare for an actor to be so specific in both their physicality and their vocal performance.
1: Right, it, she is like a cartoon, uh, a comedian yeah. to me. She is like a living Looney Tunes character. I love her for that. And uh, if there was a way to synthesize or get more of her um, physicality into her performances later on, you know, mm-hmm. I think that uh, White Man Can't Jump it gave her some of that. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't really showcase how great a dancer she is in her later yeah. acting performances. Yeah, yeah, that's
3: oh, so true. Well, and- so Michael, I think you said. Oh, oh sorry yeah. about that. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: Well, one big takeaway too that I get a positive from her performance in White Man Can't Jump is uh, this idea for every artist, which is that chance favors the prepared. And throughout, mm. even though she's in her room day drinking the whole time, yeah. she is compulsively, obsessively uh, studying for Jeopardy. And if and yeah. And uh, when she gets the opportunity, when she gets the chance, she hits it out of the park because she has been training and perfecting her skills uh, her whole life to um, without listening to the naysayers and to like you know your family, your family who tells you that you can't do stand up, your family that says this podcast is never going to get off the ground, your family that says your fashion career like dude you're a hype beast you're not a you're, yeah. you, you're not a fashion <laughs> icon or like whatever it is yeah. that they tell you <laughs> Yeah, yeah this is
3: sounding kind of specific
1: <laughs> <laughs> but every artist has to deal with this because art is kind of like um you're compulsively creating with this dream uh mm. that has no monetary um uh recouping yeah early on
2: absolutely yeah no it it takes a certain level of uh absolute uh like i heard i don't know who i fucking heard say this and i'm gonna be embarrassed if i find out it was like michael b jordan or some shit like that but uh someone said that it takes a certain like you have to believe the delusion basically um Mm. that it's worth it (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. you have to be- you have to believe it if you don't believe it then uh you know give up don't quit your day job but um
1: yeah yeah it's faith and practice she's like mm. i'm gonna get on jeopardy but it's not just believing you know i could easily say i'm i'm gonna be i'm gonna get in this movie yeah but what mm. what's the point of getting on in the, in the spotlight if you also haven't done the work the training necessary to to succeed once you're there
2: yeah. Um, I will say, uh, the level of training that she puts into prep, prepping for Jeopardy, um, like it's a very <laughs> real thing. Um, I live with a roommate who was on Pyramid and he, 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 this motherfucker went through like three months of very intense, uh, training. I love, I love this friend. Um, and, uh, it was wild like I, I like everything was just kind of like oh yeah yo I got a preferred pyramid like I don't got time to like fucking kill right now um
3: that's so cool yeah 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 it was it was
2: cool um pyramid is the one where you have to like work with like a celebrity to like win so that part makes it fucking uh risky because those motherfuckers don't have anything to lose you know like they're just on TV Uh <laughs> But,
3: uh who are they paired with do you mind if we ask
2: i think we'll', well uh, i'll have to ask them if i could post if i could post okay because like it was the celebrity's fault that uh you know oh no he's not uh you know a 300 uh thousand dollar heir um they it's oh, yikes god
3: let us up stuff all the celebrities
2: fault I'm going to I'm going to say it was Chris Pratt. It wasn't Chris Pratt, but um,
3: Yeah, we already hate him anyway, so we Chris can just Pratt, say it. we have
2: already been blaming him for a lot of things. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. You're like it certainly wasn't Brian Brosling. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Definitely was not. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Michael, I think you've got a little game for us,
2: do you not? I do have a little game for us, but before we get to the games, um, I was wondering, I wanted to ask you both, if uh, you had any recommended pairings uh, with Mm. White Men Can't Jump, because I think I have a couple, but I'd like to hear uh, what other movies popped into your brains when you watched this.
3: Hmm. Well, <laughs> like, uh, uh. Uh, I mean, one that we've brought up on the show before, I mean, I love movies about dudes who uh, hate each other, but they're also friends. So, I mean, a Mikey and Nikki, oh. I think is a good one.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're we're super due for a Mikey and Nikki
1: watch. Uh,
3: oh, absolutely. We are big Peter Falk fans here.
1: <laughs> uh I was going to go down the route of uh, lovable losers who have compulsive gambling problems. Mm, Yes. And uh, so my pairing is a completely left field is going to be the killing of a Chinese bookie.
3: Wow. Oh my God, we're all on the Cassavetes train.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay.
3: Amazing. Uh, uh,
1: Because Ben Gazzara is such a a singular... uh, uh, acting voice as well yeah. and oh god so uh unique and charming in like a left field way in the same way that mm-hmm. is. and in both these movies uh there are movies about a guy who just cannot stop gambling yeah. even when he wins
3: yeah um oh my god yeah that's so true
1: with problematic relationships with uh love interests or women in his life yeah. <laughs> oof uh, this these
3: yeah are, these are good yeah yeah i love a gambling movie and uncut gems we love it
1: <laughs> trinity i'd be like here are the three yes. white man yes. up, uh uncut gems and killing of a chinese bookie are all really unique versions of this gambler the gambler
3: so yeah uncut
1: gems is the uh
2: movie that i wrote down while watching this i was like all right uncut gems is the one but then <laughs> i wrote down uh the bingo long traveling all-stars and motor kings uh 1976 sports comedy about a team of ex Negro League baseball players, um, back in the day. Billy D. Williams, James Earl Jones, Richard Pryor, um, solid comedy. Nice. Um, but then I also thought Rocky Three. Um, that's like the ultimate black versus white. Now we have to team up. Uh, <laughs> kind of a sports movie. Um, yeah,
1: how do we beat Clubber Lane? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you gotta learn how to box like a black
2: guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that montage. Um, but I, I think my official pick uh, to pair this movie with will be uh, the Safety Brothers documentary, Lenny Cook, um,
0: which is hmm. about
2: basically uh, the other LeBron um, that that kind of didn't really happen. Also, it's from Bushwick. Um, yeah, Safty Brothers, they're big basketball guys, so uh, Lenny Cook, I highly recommend this documentary, uh, if only to just yeah. be aware of this guy who was an amazing basketball player who almost went, you know, all the way, and did not, and, you know, still mm-hmm. lives a great life. Um, but, yeah. I love oh, that. Great parents, That's great. everyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah! But, we're done with that. No more pairings, no more movies. Um, It's time for a little game of trivia. So uh, everything that i prepared is related in some way to White Men Can't Jump. So I'll ask a question. And uh, if you have an answer, uh, feel free to go uh, swish swish uh, and uh, shout out your answer
3: all right (laughs) and if you're playing at
1: home uh yeah
3: Gabe's getting hyped up (laughs) Uh, up.
1: so i was just thinking about how i would love a prequel for white man can't jump about the duke and king farouk that is a brilliant idea
2: and because you (laughs) spoke it into the ether uh there's going to be some ai robot that collects this idea and it's going to go straight to hulu um as a limited series, oh um, so thank you for that.
3: We'll take it. Uh,
2: so, our first piece of trivia is a bit of casting trivia. Um, there are three valid answers, and I would like to get through all of them. So, each of you, I'll give you like, mm-hmm. you you can guess like you could name like five people, and if you hit three of these, then you win the point. Okay. So, which actor was the first choice? For
1: Billy Oil. Uh, Was it Michael J. Fox? Damn it! Damn it! No, it was not. Uh, I did did imagine
2: that uh, while watching the movie, what this would have been like. Um,
1: I mean... I very. Favorite.
3: I mean, the title really hits a lot harder when you have someone that height in that
1: role. You'll <laughs> Remember know. him in Teen Wolf, right? He was in Teen That's Wolf, true. and he he's like the worst basketball player at the high school before he like <laughs> hits puberty <Pyramid laughs> and wolves out. So just, just all he has to do is play that version, like pre Wolf yeah. Fox. All right,
2: I'm writing down Teen Wolf <laughs> Extended
3: Universe includes white men can't jump. This is
2: a brilliant idea for another, yet another great pitch for Teen Wolf. <sighs> Plus, white men can't jump as one movie. Um, that's that's box office. Knowledge. You
3: take that into a pitch meeting? Oh, my no, God. <laughs> that's
2: pretty good. Um, congratulations on your story by credit. Um,
3: yeah. <laughs> uh, it was not oh, Michael J. Fox. Um, yeah. Who in 1992? 1992... Who? All right. Who was big in think 1992 big white guy think of the big classic
2: white guys of <laughs> Just era. the biggest white. Think guy. Of the biggest white guys of the time
3: biggest white guys of 1992.
1: Huh. and i mean tom cruise is too he's right yeah. short imagine, imagine.
2: <laughs> against wesley snipes another hit honestly <laughs>
3: <laughs> they would just have it you on know, like an extra apple box. <laughs> I, honestly,
2: they should make that movie today. I want to see those guys yeah. as as 60-year-olds fucking playing basketball. Oh
1: yeah, because I watched him recently in, like, the new Top Gun. Yeah. You know, and he's, like, oh, yeah. like you know, he's, he, like, loves running. Everyone makes that yeah. joke. Like, Tom Cruise is one of those, like, real physical guys It's just like, yeah, I don't know how to do it, but I'm into it. Like, ah, like, let's learn. <laughs> okay, we're all just dudes playing volleyball. This is natural, you know? He would, he would like, I've never played basketball, but I'm going to be the – pass me the rock, your mama joke. Like, he would just <laughs> –
3: he would be, he would be so full on dedicated. We have to give him that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: I why can I think of no white man you know
2: what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna there's I'm
3: so gonna, many of I'm
2: them. I'm gonna call this one this the, no one gets the points for this one, but the answer for this is Charlie Sheen.
1: Sheen. <gasps> Did you say Charlie Sheen? Yeah. That's yeah. so good. I was, dude, I just thought that and I was like, have him play. The guy, his druggy self, the junkie come yes. on Bueller's day off, yeah, and they just yes. keep him nodding out on the bench, Sorry. and Wesley Slips like the junkie, and he'd be like, "Oh, and he just gets up and starts doing hamstring stretches,
2: honestly, another great pitch. we've got three pitches that I all don't t- hate that it. all take place <laughs> in the white man can't Jump cinematic universe, um so yes, it was Charlie Sheen, he was the first choice, but he turned it down, uh said, uh, I didn't feel it would be any fun. I don't feel connected to basketball, which for from, from me, like, that feels racist. Um, <laughs> at least when I do a baseball movie, I know I'm going to have a good time. I sure as shit don't know how I feel about... Uh, I don't know. I don't know.
3: Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: there were two other guys that were uh, considered for the role of Billy, uh, and I'll just give put them out. Uh, David oh, Colney, which would have ruled and keanu reeves which i don't like he i don't know if he's you know i don't know if he's the guy i don't
3: don't. see it
1: i don't think he can uh vibe check i don't think he can match uh what wesley snipes (laughs) no way in hell
3: (laughs) agreed agreed um (laughs) i also just don't imagine like self-destructive gambler when i look at keanu reeves
1: (laughs) yeah i i don't know if i could see him with rosie uh like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's,
3: yeah, she would eat him alive.
1: <laughs> oh, that feels like a modern Bushwick couple, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You are yeah to
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, like this isn't gonna last, but this is uh, this is a fun it's off cute. the Myrtle Wyckoff, <laughs> yes. Trist, <laughs> I
3: see them on
2: L Train, and I do believe that uh, love is real. uh it's nice that they're mixing, you know, it's nice that they're crossing each, they're going to the same bars as did. I don't know. Um,
3: Beautiful. <laughs>
2: so, uh, I guess the flip side to this question is, who did Fox initially want for Sydney? Now, we just thought of the white guys of the time. Let's think about all the big, the big Hollywood black guys of the time. Uh, uh, Denzel? Yeah, that's, confess, that's, that's Denzel. It's Denzel. <laughs> Sydney Poitier I- is actually
1: <laughs> Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I'm telling
2: you, it is hard work making a amazing- movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Well, uh, Wesley, at this moment in his career, was firing on all cylinders. Wesley's sniper mm-hmm. moment is, to me, um, comparable to whatever Eddie Murphy was doing. In that his physicality, his quick wittedness, um, his comedic Mm -hmm. timing, uh, and his ability to do drama, all at the exact in the same movie, yeah, is like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh Eddie Murphy like level.
2: I wrote down that he has like powerful god level clown energy. Um like (laughs) this man is so fucking physical, so into his masculinity and his femininity, um, the mm-hmm. way he moves, the way he jokes, the way he jests—like it's it's on a level, in my opinion, to like someone like a Robin Williams. Like he is, mm. he is like so fucking wiggly um, and so in control of his instrument. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, another pairing as like a uh, as like a, I guess a a chaser uh, mm-hmm. to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, new bud. Uh, Yes. Mar. I love that movie. He's great for so that. Good. And it's another fantastic, like, physical performance.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. All three of them in that movie. Jesus. God. Patrick's I love.
2: Uh, I'd see him in this
3: movie. <laughs> like, he would show up in a
1: roadhouse clothes, yes. like, yeah. wearing tight <laughs> jeans and cowboy boots. And they'd be like, there's no way this guy can play. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it works. It works. <laughs>
2: okay um so this is a question that might be a little bit of a discussion um
3: Mm. who was
2: actually better at basketball wesley or woody and why do you think that is
3: Mm. well if it's wesley or woody allen
1: (laughs) Um, uh, woody allen i think actually he played the nebbish nerd but when you watch yeah. the first film, I think uh, "Take the Money and Run," mm-hmm. uh, he is an avid baseball fan. Yeah. Was oh yeah, and he uh, he had like biceps and stuff. I was like, oh, this whole like nebbish Jewish like oh yeah, uh, word thing yeah. is, uh, is uh, all uh, an act. Like he was. Um,
3: well, he did that interview with Alec Baldwin, and he was like. People just assume I'm a nerd because of the glasses. But actually, I think that I could have played for the Yankees. (laughs) It's like, you couldn't. Shut up.
2: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So So. in the the tournament between Wesley and Woody Allen, we all know Woody Allen is the better basketball player.
3: Uh, (laughs) I think we can all agree. agree (laughs)
2: Uh, But between Wesley and Woody Harrelson, uh, Mm -hmm. who do we think was actually better?
3: I know nothing about any sport, so I feel like I can't wait in on this. Okay,
2: Shelly (laughs) has just given the points uh, to uh,
1: Gabe, so. um... I think uh, Streetball is. um, Yeah. So I was watching, this is a side note, but I was watching Pumping Iron. Mm. uh, Yes,
3: which we will be talking about soon, actually. (laughs)
1: uh, The idea is like Arnold maybe wasn't the biggest guy. Uh but what Arnold had was this ability to flash. He had showmanship and the ability to psych psychologically uh damage uh his content his opponents. So he would win because he would psych out the other people. And what I think um when you're hustling, it's all about psyching out the the opposition. Yeah. And uh Sydney was a better street ball player. Right. And Sydney had all of the psychological tools to like win mentally against Mm. an opponent opponent. um but i i think within background i think woody maybe had his character had a better Mm. um background like in fundamentals yeah because i think he went to Mm. he almost went pro yeah yeah he was like a college guy who maybe got injured Mm -hmm. but he um you know (laughs) like fundamentals baby (laughs) <laughs> he had the fundamentals mm. that maybe would have carried in a in a uh, pro game where uh Wesley like you see streetball dudes don't necessarily uh thrive when you put them um in a structured right. ball game. So I don't know. I don't know if that, that answers anything. They're correct. playing
3: like two different games. Yeah. Yeah. That I I think everyone did a good job. I, of-
2: I love the shit out of both your answers. Uh <laughs> but yeah, Woody Harrelson uh, turned out to be the significantly better player um, at basketball than Wesley Snipes. But oh, in real life, in real life,
3: yeah. Oh,
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah. I'm sorry. Did I not? Did I not? I asked Wesley and Woody. I, I did not say your character Woody. names.
3: You did. No, you yeah. absolutely. You phrased it absolutely correctly, and I think we That's both fine. just assumed we were talking about the That's movie. Totally fine. <laughs>
2: um, I, I like that we're so immersed in. In the in the film, you know, I I think that's yeah. nice. Um, yeah. But no, nah, Woody Harrelson was like way better than Wesley Snipes. But I I, I do love uh, the notion of Wesley Snipes being that good of an actor to convince us yeah. uh, that, he has, that he is that uh, he is better at street ball uh, than yeah. uh, Billy Ho. Uh, so. Points for everyone. Points for myself. I'll give points to myself for uh, reading the questions. Um, we have two more questions. Um, so, our penultimate question How tall mm. was the hoop that Woody Harrelson dumped on? Uh,
1: in the movie? Yeah, yeah in the movie. <laughs> 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 In real life? I guess they're the same. <laughs> I'm gonna say it was uh seven and a half feet. Oof. Okay. Charlie.
3: You know I have no yeah, fucking out, clue. Believe
2: in, yourself. <laughs> believe in yourself. Spit out spit out any number.
3: Uh
2: eight. Wow. You were clo- you're, you're closer to the number. So uh, Okay. It was not a ten foot hoop. But a nine and a half foot hoop, he couldn't quite wow. dunk on a ten foot hoop. I guess, wow. yeah, it makes all the
3: white men really can't yeah, jump.
2: Yeah, wow. I guess that's the moral <laughs> that's to, that, to that to uh, that story.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. Okay. Final question. Okay. This Bronx-born auteur fucking loved this movie.
1: Hmm. And he was Bronx. mentioned,
2: uh, I'll give you a hint, The he was mentioned during this episode. This director.
3: Mm. Oh. Bronx mm-hmm. born. Is it uh, Swish Swish? Is it the, the Safdie? Safties? No, <laughs> Were they born in the Bronx? No, they're in Manhattan, guys. <laughs> it's okay. No, it was Bronx not born.
2: the Safties, But very close. Now, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> It depends on how you feel about how they shot "Good Time" and how, like how fucking intense, uh, you think it was. Oh.
3: Switch, switch Casavettes.
2: Uh, no, not Casavettes. We really did mention a lot Aww. of different directors.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that makes it tough. I don't. I like. I don't know. Uh, I will get uh, this.
2: I'll give you five more seconds to guess any director. <laughs>
3: Alfred Hitchcock. Ah,
2: so close. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, is Stanley Kubrick.
3: <laughs> oh, Bronx-born. Bronx okay.
2: I didn't know that. Yeah.
3: Wow. Neither did I. Bronx-born autour. Yeah. Bronx <laughs> born
2: auteur. yeah I didn't there know you that. go. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, that's <laughs> it for trivia. Um, look, I wasn't keeping track of the points, but um, <laughs> I would like to distribute them equally, or we could probably mm-hmm. uh, play a round of uh, maybe two-on-one uh, basketball mm. for the points. Um, all mm-hmm. the points, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah. I think, I, could... I think in that case, I just, I uh, I wave the white flag. Okay, so we'll <laughs>
2: split the points evenly and go our separate ways. Um, no need to gamble. Because mm. I don't know, No, need. I don't know if y'all will hustle me. You don't know if I'll hustle you. Like, let's just keep it <laughs> nice and easy. Like, we
1: all have lives to depart okay. to. We can play some, we'll play a game of horse. Okay,
2: let's play a game of horse. Just
1: rollerblade around us while we play. Yeah. No <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: you two have fun with that. I'll throw in some rollerblades. It'll <laughs> <laughs> <That'll> be great. <laughs> oh my gosh, Gabe, this was so fun. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for helping me excavate my, my primary cinema crush. Oh, it's the honor of our life. We
3: will be uh, charging a copay. <laughs> yeah,
1: this feels like therapy. Uh, yeah, so wait for that, heard that in the mail. <laughs>
3: so where can our listeners uh, follow you? And do you have anything coming up you want to plug?
1: Yeah, so uh, definitely check out my podcast. It's called Halal Cartels. And my co-host is Samir Nassim. And uh, the two of us um, do a weekly deep dive into uh, headlines. Um, We talk about politics. Uh, We talk about uh, third world liberation struggles. We talk about the immigrant experience in the United States. We talk about uh, traveling abroad and how important that is to expand your worldview um, history. Uh, We're leftists, um, if not full-blown communists. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe we are, who knows? (laughs) I can't speak for Samir. But um, the podcast is also called Halal Cartels because he's Indian and Muslim, and my family's from Mexico, and we were like, we don't want to call this thing Tandoori Tacos. That's too like, mm. that's too representation matters cute. Uh, <laughs> what's a little bit scarier, you know, that's more fang. Uh, halal Cartels. So it's a great yeah.
2: name. <laughs> no, it's we're a fantastic at- podcast. I was just listening to the "Was Sex Better Under Stalin?" episode. <laughs>
1: um so the the people's now um um, for sure and uh i love that so everyone listen to that episode was sex better under stalin uh secret yes (laughs) spoiler um love it also uh we have a if you're in brooklyn From my Brooklyn fans, come out to Pete's Candy Store every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. for a free stand-up showcase that I host. And I'm going to be in uh, the only date that I will give out to all my friends in Boston who want to come see me. Uh, You can see me in Boston on St. Patrick's Day, which is March 17th, at uh, Don't Tell Comedy in Boston. And I love a lot of time movie. to be in Boston. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, let's go right into the eye of the storm.
2: Godspeed. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I'm going to say a prayer for you. I'm going to burn a candle.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank uh, you. Uh,
3: <laughs> amazing. So yeah, everyone, head out to those shows. Listen to the podcast. Um, Michael, where can people find us? Oh,
2: y'all can check us out on all socials at everyone is hot pod. That's every number one is hot and if you're listening to us on apple podcasts please rate us five stars one two three please. four five stars um yeah. we use these stars to pay our ridiculously high new york rents so yes uh, every star <laughs> <Please>. counts <laughs> uh, if you're gonna do less than that then like fuck off
3: yeah yeah go fuck yourselves um but if you give us five stars then uh Don't fuck yourself or fuck somebody else that you like. So, Gabe, again, thank you so much. This was a blast. Michael, what should people do? Oh,
2: stay horny. Horny.